0: Hansel, Egypt, it's good to be with you guys today. Likewise, man. man. So I have a question for you. Yeah. Have you ever been called a racial slur in your life? You kidding me, man? Absolutely.
1: Uh, I don't even know where to begin with that. I'll tell you one. I I remember standing in line to a cafeteria and there's a guy three places behind me and he just kind of like, (coughs) you know, and he threw out that, that little N word. And, and I remember reacting. I just remember reacting. And the next thing I know, there were about three or four people on top of me. And, uh, you know, that altercation led to, uh, yeah, some some circumstances I don't think I really wanted to have to deal with that at that moment. So it's always the guy that follows up with the hit that gets away with everything. Ah. Mm -hmm. But it's the guy that gets antagonized, which was me at that case uh that ends up getting busted so uh that was not a cool day that's a crazy Mm -hmm. experience yeah all right
2: so what about for you yeah nothing as serious as that but i do remember when i was in elementary school being pointed at and being called a beaner yikes that seems awful well so the interesting thing is i mean that day i went home and i called my sister that that doesn't make sense to me you're right it doesn't so we should talk about that Welcome everybody, The Kingdom Thinking. Today we actually have a really important and special episode. So first off, I'd like to introduce our guest, Egypt. Pleasure. Egypt is a part of our Juice family here. He has been a long-term friend and co-host of Juice here for 15 years. And you've known Mark, our producer, for about that time as well?
1: Absolutely, it's been a good time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so as part of our Juice family, we've invited Egypt to help us with this conversation today that we're addressing. And it is specifically on the topic of racial slurs and free speech as it relates to the Mm N-word. And so we have actually a specific event that prompted this conversation for us
0: yeah, so just this week, uh, there was a country music star named Morgan Wallen uh, who was using the N-word at a bar in Nashville, right? And mm. this kind of seems to hit like the racism trifecta, <laughs> yeah. right? Like when we're talking about this, it's like white guy, country guy, Nashville, booze, right? Or so what quadfecta, <laughs> if that's a thing. <laughs> and so uh, what's interesting, though, is like as a result of yeah. all of this now, right, his record label has dropped him, iHeartRadio is mm. not playing his music, and he's getting kicked out of all the CMT-related stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so this kind of speaks into the larger... Uh, conversation regarding cancel culture and sure. mistakes that are made or intentional things that are made. And we have to talk about this idea of, you know, the first question that everybody always asks and mm-hmm. kind of pops into their mind is mm-hmm. like, should one mistake permanently tarnish your reputation or career? Yeah, exactly. And so
2: as we were talking about that, Egypt, you had a, a really interesting insight that I'd love for you to share with us about just the nature of how that question is posed to begin with.
1: Yeah, so the first thing that I think of all the time is that we're always, as a people, period, looking to assign blame. Mm-hmm. Someone has to be the arbiter of the torch, right? And the torch is a good thing, but it's also a bad thing because yep. you can get burned by that as mm-hmm. well. So it's kind of like the hot potato type of deal. You don't want to be the last dude holding that hot potato. Mm-hmm. And in this right. case, I look at the question and I think about should one mm. mistake, right? I don't think it's... Just, just limiting to just one mistake destroying a life. Does this particular Mm -hmm. offense, is it worthy of destroying a life? And if it's worthy of destroying a life, you're going to have to use that in a legal context as being the baseline or precedent for making all future decisions. You kind of see what we do here when we establish a topic like this, most people want to address this from an emotional perspective, and and listen, there is a place for the emotions to be vetted and to be vented, mm-hmm. but this is one of those things that if you just act emotionally, mm-hmm. what we're going to end up doing is finding ourselves in a rut, and then it's going to just basically be WWE mm-hmm. uh, for justice. Yeah, for you sure. know, if, for sure. if it feels good, then do it. Right, and and I don't think that's the kind of place where, as a culture, we want to be because most people are looking at that and they're actually seeking answers. I just want an answer. Mm. I wanna know when and when not to, Mm. because on one hand, I hear certain people groups get to use this and make money Mm. on their music and their acting careers and other uh, components of life. But other people are told, You can't use that. Mm -hmm. So is that a transaction or is it conditional? So I'm starting to look at this more like a kaleidoscope and it should not be an organism that that has conditions to it. So that's probably one of those things you wanna avoid.
2: That's a really, really helpful insight. And and I appreciate the way that you were phrasing that as we were talking earlier, because even the instinct to say, should one mistake really end somebody's reputation Hmm. or career? already kind of seems to have presuppositions and assumptions about qualifying different words or qualifying different actions, right? And so how I understood your point is, now hold on, like that's a fair question. Sure. But if you really want to talk about this topic, we have to talk about should using this word be seen with the appropriate weight? And so that's what we're going to try to do today. Well done. And so uh, Egypt, as I I mentioned earlier, and I want to to make this... uh, Out loud to say this out loud the first thing i want to do is i want to confess the limitations of my perspective on this Mm. topic i want to confess that there are certain things that i just don't know and don't realize sure and that my situation is limited right however we want to approach this not only as fairly as possible but with the intention to dig up the uncomfortable yes of it dig up the the uncomfortable maybe the uncomfortable elements of truth that we haven't been willing to face as Mm. clearly. And in that spirit, we want to jump in and and really be able to talk about some of these things. So the first thing that uh, comes to mind is, hey, words matter. And as we try to bring up the question of what about as Christians, how should Christians feel about cancel culture or Hmm. about mistakes that should tarnish somebody's reputation i think that the first thing i i want to establish as a starting launching pad baseline is words matter words have power words aren't simply um piffy things that disappear in the air right words are representative of reality words are representative of a world view indeed words are representative of how we identify and associate and confer meaning and value upon people and things and so I mean, to that end, the, the verse that came to my mind is Proverbs 15, four, and one version of that translation is gentle words bring life and health, but deceitful mm. tongues crush the spirit. That, that really quantifies that for me hmm. in a way. And so the first thing that, that kind of comes to my mind as, as we dig up this, this specific incident, Somebody in, in in a bar getting drunk, using letting this slip, right, and trying to determine, wait, was this just a momentary lapse of judgment, or is this is this more than that in in particularly in American history, using the n word isn't a momentary lapse of judgment no using that word is a very specifically constructed way of. Identifying a yes. whole people group as less than human for the specific services of property of ownership. Indeed. And there's hundreds of years of of history and an infrastructure to support this, which we don't have to go into all that right now. I think it's very easy to mm-hmm. um, substantiate that historically. And so let's let's take that seriously. Let's start there, um, Josh. As as I invite you here, it's this this is something that drags and resurrects a whole part of our history. Mm.
0: Well, so this is the, here's one of the thing that drives me nuts about these conversations just in general, right? It's like, there is this inherent attempt to just kind of slide through this yeah. and, and just kind of gloss over it and says yeah. like, well, he was drunk and he said something, whatever. And I don't want to get bogged down in like the specificity of just this one situation only with Walls ignoring kind of the meta narrative of what this is kind of in our cultural yeah. history, because, uh, you can't separate that word from the enormity of of the history that's associated with it, right? like when we when we talk about the severity that it brings with it, six hundred thousand Americans died over the right for people to be owned or not, right? in this conversation. and it's and, the gravity of that situation can't be ignored because it didn't stop there, right? It was followed up by another hundred years of Jim Crow laws and separations and lynchings and hangings and rapings and things like Mm that. And we need to spend more time just probably societally sitting in the magnitude of that situation. Uh, And and, uh, it's uncomfortable to talk about, right? Mm -hmm. Like, dude, it's so uncomfortable as a white guy to talk Mm -hmm. about that kind of thing. Because we never do it, right? It's like like not something that we do, particularly in churches, like in the evangelical church. We don't do this well Uh, in white evangelical churches. Like we'll like take that back a peg. Like we don't do that well. And then suburban white evangelical, like we go back another peg. And (laughs) so it's just like, like this is the reality of what we create there. And it's like, well, he was drunk. And then we just kind of pass along. And there's some type of like um, pass or like... uh, we try to turn it into a slap on the wrist kind of conversation mm-hmm. about like, yeah. you know, he shouldn't have said that, right? Everybody will affirm that statement. Like, ah, you know, it wasn't a good thing to say, or they'll even take it a step further and say, like, oh, it was a horrible thing to say, uh, but he was drunk. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and like anytime there's a conditional clause right. that right. seemingly always gets associated to that, I've had two or three conversations just today about this and every single person I talked about it with who was white it had that conditional clause attached to it. Right. And it's, like like nobody's trying to be racist, nobody's trying to be you know, a jerk or an a-hole or anything like that, that I was talking to today. there. But it's like, there is that inherent, like let's try and just move past the discomfort for the sake right. of and solve moving it. on yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, so we don't have to deal with it. One of the
2: things that I'm really interested to hear more about your perspective as we were talking earlier is how these conversations, like you're um, alluding to, we tend to wanna to provide hmm. nice, quick, clean solutions to it. Sure. And what you were suggesting is, in inadvertently that cheapens the conversation because Indeed. it's not willing to look the the ugly monster in the face.
1: Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, and what you mean I, by that? I, I call it the policy of the endorphin. Okay, right. See, at at some point, difficult discussions we want to feel good mm. about communicating them. It's a really good. And I think you I think you said the very good point about how this is a difficult yeah. thing to talk about. Yeah it's supposed to be. I'm sorry, slam your hand in the door, it's supposed to hurt. (laughs) So pain by definition doesn't feel good and you'd be a fool to keep slamming your hand in the door. So this is one of those things that when we do talk about this, we ought to enter into it with a sense of humility and reverence from the perspective that I'm not actually discussing this just to give my opinion, mm-hmm. but rather I'm actually going to listen, to learn, to reflect and then to teach others. Okay. So there there is a responsibility and this is actually not a white problem. Mm-hmm. It's not a Latino problem. Right. It's not a so-called black problem. And I think if Quite frankly, we all did our ancestral DNA. We'd come to find out that we are not cracked up to be who we think we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm I'm pretty dark skinned but I'm 15% Brit, so just so you know that it, it's
0: it's kind of unusual. That's I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a it's, confession here. Yeah. I just recently did mine, and I'm about as white as Wonder Bread. Is. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm 99.98% white. <laughs> so. Touche. The
1: the box was very small. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and yeah big yeah. check marks. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, So keeping that in mind, this is one of those uh, this is one of those things that I think every time I hear the word. Mm-hmm. It puts me in a completely different frame of mind. So we have to understand if you are speaking to someone or you are communicating about a topic like this, Mm -hmm. the Mm N-word, really, what's the end game? I know. Really. First of all, if we started with that question, what is the end game? Because all you have to do is just you don't even have to get to the second syllable. Just struggle with the first one. Mm -hmm. But by the time it actually comes out and you, you you. few drinks later and you, you're feeling really loose. Right. Mm-hmm. And then someone catches you on YouTube. So what gets on YouTube gets played in Vegas. You mm-hmm. know, it's just, it's yeah. like, there's a, a relationship with all that stuff. Be careful that you actually achieve your goal mm-hmm. because there is a goal to be, a t- uh, to be achieved. And at the end of the day, I think the goal was simply this. It's not that I was hurt. It's not that you listened to me. It's not even that I taught you something mm-hmm. is that you have a healthy respect that this word has a history to it. It's not just that it's off limits because our culture said it's off limits. It's off limits because I believe Mm -hmm. that this word stinks. That I smell the stench of whips on backs. Mm. I smell and, and, and hear the sound of rape in the air. Scripture's loaded with these repulsive, disgusting descriptors of acts that took place. Those acts were carried out by men. Those acts were decided upon by free will. It is a free will for someone to use this word. Whether you're ignorant of it or not is not the point. Right. You're still an arbiter of mm-hmm. the word, and the word has power,
2: mm-hmm. as
1: you say it. Words have power. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So, having said that, and... The, the train's going, we're committed to this now. Indeed. Tell us a little bit more, what are some of those under the surface issues that <laughs> we need to be aware of when we're talking about this issue so that we fight the temptation to just, mm. you know, make a clean little bow on it, yeah. be like, all right, now you get it? We're glad we're not that guy, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. man, good, oh. No, no, like not like, how do we actually take a look at what's under the surface? <laughs> what do you think?
1: I think what probably one of the first things is to admit that no one owns the franchise on this word. Okay, so this word has been franchise more than McDonald's. How many have been served and served up and beat down? Uh, this, you can't come into this as if you can speak the word from a, a position of authority. Uh, because there's no authority to be taken here. Right. It's it's a word of deep ignorance, really a helpful. deep deep shame and deep pain. That's really helpful. So now from that perspective, everything else just falls into place, truly. Okay, so I'm not going to walk up to someone and say, hey, uh, Mr. Black Man or Mr. Black Lady, can you tell me, <laughs> tell me what you think about this word? That's not a way to broach this subject. Mm. I think a way to really broach this sub- subject is just from a prayerful consideration of, first of all, I think I know what the word means. I've looked it up on Wikipedia in my dictionary and I think I've seen that. I think I even saw an episode of Roots. And, and wow, that must've been a tough time for people. And then some others will say, you know what? I've got black friends. Yep. That doesn't give you credibility. Hmm. You, 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 having a black friend is not about a badge of honor mm-hmm. or some sort of way of saying, I, I'm diverse. I've met my diversity score for the day. No one's impressed with that, but uh, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you the thing that does matter to me is is a contrite or broken heart Mm -hmm. over this matter because you can get passionate about a lot of things, but for me, my passion on this particular topic means nothing if I don't actually have a worldview that is anchored down to something absolute, that does not move, that does not decay, that does not change, Uh that does not shift. And that's a topic we're obviously infusing in here. And that's my faith in God, my faith in Christ. And that actually isn't even a religious topic. So for those of you who are listening, that's actually not a religious topic because you would say, oh, my gosh, Egypt is trying to convert us to go to his church and sit down and give tithes to his church and serve in his church. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you from a first person account, Mm -hmm. that is my account. Mm -hmm. This is what Jesus did for me. I don't care what you have to say. And God doesn't need me to claim that he's God to be God. Mm -hmm. But if I don't recognize him, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how I would look at this topic. I would look at it as it's my right. Mm -hmm. And I'm better than you because I get to do this because you know what that then does to me? It makes me a slave to the word, the connotation of the word, the meaning of the word, because now I think I actually have a right to say the word, and I have a right to smear it in your face because Mm -hmm. you're not looking like me. Mm -hmm. So therefore, this will be my perpetual victimhood perspective that I will carry on for the rest of my days Mm -hmm. because I actually Mm -hmm. don't have hope. Mm -hmm. Uh, I claim to know God, but I really don't, only when it's convenient for me. You see, but I can turn on a dime, and I can make sure that you are aware that you know you need to treat me differently. You need to treat me more specially. Mm-hmm. I, what am I trying to do? Elevate myself to a place of worship? I want to be careful about that. Mm. This word is not just a word; it is actually a word of deity. Yeah. And if we're not careful, we're going to worship that word, whether it's positive or negative. Take it as you will.
0: Mm.
2: That's that's a really insightful perspective, and I had never heard uh, it being so eloquently expressed, because what I'm gathering is that on the one hand, you have it used as a weapon. Indeed, yes on you do. On the other hand, you have it used almost as a fake shield. <laughs> and that to me is interesting, because from what I gather of your perspective, they're both errant because you're you're placing your weight or your identity on the wrong thing.
1: Yes, indeed. And that is the whole point. The point is about, you would never wear clothes that don't fit. And if they don't fit, you would rather them be too large than be too small. This is just one of those things that I think, and I wonder in the grand scheme of life, if you were to see the sum total of your life, of all the things that actually mattered, Mm. that actually changed human history, would this rise to the surface? I wonder, Mm. I didn't say, discredit the importance of this. See, some people just wanna hear, look at him, he's an Uncle Tom, he's selling out, he's saying that's not important, that is not what I'm saying. As a matter of fact, I'm challenging you, that's that's algebra, that's an algorithm, is it not? I'm just trying to ask you to Mm -hmm. think carefully Mm -hmm. about that. Doesn't make me a racist because I asked a good question, Mm doesn't make me misogynist or homophobic or xenophobic. And you can add all of your other phobias Mm -hmm, to that. doesn't mm -hmm. make any of that legitimate simply because I asked a legitimate question. I'm asking you to think long and hard Mm -hmm. about what you invest Mm -hmm. your time, Mm -hmm. your effort, and your worldview in. Sure.
2: Yeah. Man, I, I love all those insights. And on that topic of you're able to articulate that because you have a sense of otherness hmm. from the word, meaning True. you you are no longer um, defined or persuaded or limited by yeah. it because of your identity in Christ and in God. Indeed. And that that is amazing and wonderful. And so, Josh, what I like for you to share with us is, you know, in your studies, you specialized mm-hmm. in, in Mark in yeah. particular, and there's a really, really interesting passage in Mark where the the rhetorical effect or the, the force of the words and the
0: dialogue there actually illustrates a little bit of this point. Yeah. Yeah. So in Mark 7, uh, Jesus encounters the Syrophoenician woman, right? And what's interesting about this is like this lady is a triple outsider, right? And so she meets him in a house. She's a woman. She's non-Jewish, right? Uh, and she's not, anything important by Jewish standards, right? And so uh, Jesus encountering this woman in a home who's asking her, or who she's asking him to heal her daughter is a big deal because as a woman, she's talking to a rabbi in the first century. She's kind of presumptuous, right? Like a little bit... Uh, out of the place of what a woman's spot should have been in in the first century, especially approaching a man, especially approaching a Jewish rabbi on top of that. And so they enter into this conversation, into this retort, and uh, Jesus ends up calling this woman a dog, which is actually a racial epithet, right? It's a slur. It's not, uh, right, some people have tried to make, like, it Not seem as big because the in the Greek it's it's the diminutive form which is like a little dog, right? Or like a almost like people try to kind of say like Less than it. puppy, you know, yeah, a little right. bit yeah. so it's like the a instead of the hard er at the end of it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and so, the, but the idea here is like it can't be lost on anyone, right? Like right. Jesus calls this woman a racial slur, and the reason is there he's entering into this discussion. What again it's called periastic irony, and the desire is to is to draw it out mm. and show how. Uh, damaging and damning that style of thinking is when people get caught in it. Because uh, the notion here is that this woman is an unclean Gentile and Jesus is flipping it on its head because he's kind of contrasting it over and against the Pharisees that he just spends the first part of chapter seven condemning. And so we see this huge picture because what matters, right, is the faith in Jesus that this woman has to heal her daughter over her identity, over any national identity, right? And so what Jesus comes to do is establish this kingdom where people who are irrespective of skin color, irrespective of ethnicity, irrespective of heritage, are all welcome if there's faith in Christ. And this ties in, this dovetails really well to what you're saying, because when Paul then capitalizes on this in Galatians three, when he talks about in Christ, there's no Jew, slave, Greek, Gentile, male, or female, right? It doesn't mean you stop being black. It doesn't mean I stop being white. It means that those things become subordinate to our understanding of who we are in Jesus Christ. And now the Christological lens by which we live allows us to have these conversations in a way where we don't have to feel shame, right? Like we can talk about there. uh, I did a long time ago. Now this was a few years ago. Uh, looked into like our family history, right? And it's very likely our family's from Appalachia, Kentucky, right? Like it's as south as south gets in that kind of world. And it's very likely that our family lineage owns slaves, right? And that's a horrible reality to kind of live with in your collective conscience. But because of who I am in Christ, when I have that conversation with somebody, I don't have to feel shame. Partly because you know I wasn't the one who did that there, you know, in the individual sense, but also in the collective sense, like. Those are things that we can condemn mm. because that's what Christ would do. And we can stand in this solidarity <laughs> that may not be available yeah. to us. Otherwise, if we're stuck in this like yeah. us versus them dichotomy Correct. of getting stuck in things that are literally only skin yeah.
2: deep. That's amazing. What strikes me about the the force of that passage is so the narrator there, whether it's Mark, mm-hmm. um, is illustrating how through this dark irony, how flawed this identity the sense of identity is whether it would be in an economic system whether it would be in a tribe of whatever you look like um, and how There will be no freedom from that unless the identity is in
0: something else. Well, and what's particularly potent is the idea is like these are religious people Mm. that are missing it, right? And this to me is so, so crucial. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll just speak here for a second. It's like this is so crucial for the white church in America because a lot of these conversations come back to like, Mm -hmm. it's time to move on, right? Like, we Mm -hmm. need to just whatever, whatever. And there's kind of a. Whether it's intentional or unintentional, but there's like an os, uh, you know, a head in the sand kind of right. scenario in the way yeah. that this a, is approached. A get over it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like, come on, man, that was like yeah. sixty years ago, or whatever. And it's like, my dad is older than integration. They're like, <laughs> he's like this was not, <laughs> this was not long enough it's ago for it to ago. matter, you know, right, and, right. and so, or for anybody to say get over it, and and so. And as religious people, if we just say like, well, dude, just love God and love mm-hmm. each other. It's like, Jesus is like, no, like if you stay stuck in this thinking, mm-hmm. you're going to be stuck on the outside of the kingdom of heaven. Like make no mistake about it. There's no room for this in the kingdom that I've come to establish and set up. Mm-hmm.
2: And so as as we kind of bring it towards some conclusions, this uh, we have to talk about this. And it's the second danger mm-hmm. that we talked about yeah. potentially committing on this episode. And it would be. To have a nice, clean assignation of blame, right? And say, well, thank God we're not those yeah. people. It's, it's like in Matthew 18, right? right? Thank God I'm not like the ta- that that's tax collector. Right. Yes, yes. Pound the chest. Yeah, the yeah, chest. yeah. Good, right? Because what, what that passage in Mark and the gospel is actually showing is we are that yeah, person. Yeah, absolutely. Right? That's right. And so what I want to get your perspective and some final thoughts on here is... In what ways do do I, me, and Josh, and you, sure. and everybody else, how do I look in the mirror and say, yeah, you know, I'm not that person in in Tennessee, but hmm. but I, I'm definitely the person who who isn't perfect, who has limitations, and who needs to contribute to the solution and hmm. take a commitment to it. Yeah. So how do we do that? How do we as Christians, both individually or or collectively, how do I take a hard look at the mirror?
1: You know what I find most interesting here, and get a grip on this here is we're always recruiting for something that we don't even know what we're recruiting for. Mm -hmm. So join my team. So when you join the team, okay, what are we doing? There's no inherent leader. Mm -hmm. Don't know where we're going. We preach about heaven. We don't really talk much about what life is going to be like in heaven. Are we really wearing big giant diapers with bows and arrows and shooting them in the clouds? I, I mean, so. some people kind of think that that's what the life of heaven is about, or we're kicking back in our cool mansion and our self cutting lawns and our self cleaning houses. I mean, w- what are we doing? Yeah. So, if there is something to be said about where do each of us contribute mm-hmm. to the human condition, well, the question is all really stems from, what does that look like? What does it mean when Jesus says in John 15, 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. right? To bear fruit, guess what kind of fruit? Fruit that will last. Mm. Wait a second. So that implies that there's fruit that does not last. Yeah. Mm. So there's actually a dividing line, right? There is a line in the sand that's been drawn, and it always begins with self. Mm-hmm. What are you. So let me personalize that. What am I going to do? What is Egypt McKee going to do? Well, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to my knees and I'm going to repent. I'm going to do just like my bro, John the Baptist, big crazy man. Repent, repent for the day of the Lord is near. Mm -hmm. Repent for the Lord is at hand. Okay. And that repenting is a pivotal mission critical step. And without repentance, forget anything else. Right. Everything else, guess what it is? It's a wonderful seminar. It's a great workshop. Mm. Thank you, pay your seminar dues again and we'll see you next year. Um, other than that, forget it. So from repentance, repentance then now converts into some place of action. And we always talk about service. Now what does service look like? Does service mean to go up to a homeless person and here's a hot dog, sir, and God bless you. Well, who cares about the hot dog? How about talking to the individual? How about showing some teeth? How about shaking a hand? How about listening to their life story? How about doing a little bit more than being showing trite pity for others, but actually showing true unbridled respect? Mm -hmm. And in that respect, we continue to stretch and stretch and stretch, and we're not waiting for others to meet us halfway. I think we're always looking for reciprocal responses yeah. such as, I say to my wife, I love you, but there's an inherent I'm, I love you too. I, and mm-hmm. well, what what happens when that doesn't come? Yeah. So does that negate that I really didn't love you in the first yeah. place? So I think we're all being put to the test to begin with repentance mm-hmm. and to move that into action. And in that action, there will be mistakes. There will be opportunities but there will be joy. Mm-hmm. There will always be joy. And this word, guess what? It ain't the only word. Yeah. Mm. It ain't the only one. There's a whole lot in every culture, every creed, every tongue has its words, mm. plural. And it's a sad thing when we stop at one word thinking that we're going to just hijack one word mm. and make it public enemy number one. Right. Well, guess what? We could be at this all day, people. Mm. We'll be here at 100 years old with the oldest podcast on planet Earth, yeah. you know, with yeah. beards down to the ground. But still, the, still rolling. But you're still rolling. <laughs> but, the, but the truth be known, there's always going to be a word, but there's always going to be a savior. There's always going to be a hope. Yeah. And that hope is going to be in what he did that I couldn't do for my own self. And that's what it looks like. Yeah. That's what it looks like in action. Yeah.
2: Egypt, I got to say, I'm very, very appreciative of your perspective. Mm. Thank you so much for joining us. Honored, I mean, Honor. was, was thank you. This is amazing for us. So what do you guys think? Our challenge for you today was, on the one hand, to not be tempted to treat the symptom and not look under the surface to the disease. And on the other hand, to also not be tempted to think of this as the problem of the other.
1: Indeed, And yes. so
2: what do you guys think? How can we, how can I take responsibility for this? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Kingdom Thinking.